Just how many worms did Rodney bring to the landscape show in Orlando, Florida? Find out in today's episode where I interview some really interesting people down here, including one person who shares how you can build relationships with your local college to find highly qualified employees for your landscape company or nursery. I also talk with somebody who started a new website software company that builds e-commerce websites for garden centers and has this really interesting AI tool that your customers can ask plant questions to and it sources data from local colleges. So really interesting stuff today, plus how you can source new plants that you may not have thought of for your landscape company. Hey everyone, Jack Jostis here and welcome to the Landscaper's Guide podcast where we share sales, marketing, and leadership ideas to help you grow your snow and landscape company. Right now I'm in Orlando, Florida at the FNGLA's Landscape Show. I just presented the Landscaper's Guide to Modern Sales and Marketing. It was a great presentation and I love coming to these shows because I get to connect with people in the industry and I've been wanting to come to this show for a long time. So thank you, Billy and Linda, for hiring me to come here. And hey, if you enjoy this show, I'd love to send you some beef jerky and a marketing field guide to help you figure out how to get more of your leads finding you online. So check out landscapersguide.com toolbox, see our show notes for a link, and let's get into some interviews with some people I met in Florida. So we're at the Eaton Worms Booth, booth yeah. at the <laughs> thank at you the at, the, at the Orlando at the landscape show in Orlando. Show. So this is amazing. So I was walking by and Rodney's like, "Hey, Jack!" He just read my name tag. Yeah. We ended up having a great chat. So you started this though because you enjoy fishing. Yes. And you yes. couldn't find a good supplier of worms. Right. I live here in Orlando, Florida, and there's great, excellent bass fishing around here. And all my friends, when we tried to hunt down worms, we couldn't find it. Even our go-to Walmart, it's tricky to find them because people go in there and dig out and look for them and hide them. So I started growing my own worms and collecting them. And then after a long time, I'm in 20 different gas stations now across central Florida here. And then over time, my girlfriend came up to me and she was like, give me some of that black gold in your uh, worm bins. I'm like, what is black gold? And she's like, I want the worm castings. That's awesome fertilizer. It's a natural organic fertilizer for your plants. So I'm like, what? So I did some more research on that. And then it turns out that it is. It's a, it's a biological life ecosystem in itself with all the bacteria and the beneficial enzymes that it creates that now we do still sell fishing bait, um, worms for fishing. You couldn't get live bait. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? I'm just going to grow my own worms. Yeah. How did you, where did you get them? How did you well, get started? Did you buy a kit on Amazon I, I or did, did you I like... I started on Amazon. I looked on Amazon and I found a supplier <laughs> on Amazon and I like to go big. So I bought a couple pounds of them and I spent about $500 to start out and I didn't know what I was doing. I just threw them in the bin and they all escaped. They ran away, I went back, my friends were like, let's go get some worms, we're going fishing. I looked in my bin and they were all gone because I didn't understand how to raise worms. It was either temperature, heat, there were cracks in my bin, they were escaping out the bottom. I didn't even have a Was this like on. in your basement or in your in yard? Or, or, it luckily it was backyard. outside. Yeah, it was in my backyard and I just used cinder blocks and created a little square thing and put all the worms in there. And when I went back in two days, they were all gone. They went out and drained out through the ground. 
or yeah. you know, crawl it out. So, so typically, at least where I'm from, when you go to Walmart or wherever the gas station, you get worms, you're getting night crawlers. Is yeah. that what you started with? Well, we have them over here. We started, we got 10,000 European night crawlers in this bucket right now to show people. So you wouldn't think this bucket could hold 10,000 European night crawlers. Yeah. But there's 10,000 European night crawlers. Are there... Or they're also known commonly as uh -huh. super reds. So do they get bigger than this? Because these uh, are not much bigger. Okay, these so these are European night crawlers. Yes, the ones There's that you buy. Canadian the, okay. and African. What are the they are what, are, what are the big ones? The, the big, African thicker. are the biggest, and then the Canadian night crawlers okay. and the European night crawlers. Now, nice. the reason why we went to the European night crawlers is because of the temperature range. Hmm. We live here in Florida, so these European night crawlers thrive in 60 to 80 degree temperatures, whereas <laughs> Canadian night crawlers prefer cooler temperatures and African night crawlers prefer hotter temperatures. Now these red wigglers here are a lot smaller. There's 5,000 There's 5,000 of these in here in this little bucket. Wow. But as you can see, those are much smaller. Much smaller, but they're ferocious eaters. They're those so. Are, those are for compost. Yeah, these are compost, and then when you can put them down, you can just look at them like waterfall out of my hands. Yeah. But they're ferocious eaters, and they eat a lot faster, uh, and they work great together in our bins because the red wigglers like to live on the top two, three inches of your soil, and the European night crawlers live in the bottom six to eight inches of your soil, so they work nicely together for our bins to eat up the whole thing. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So, like, how many worms do you have? We have over a million worms in our bins. We got over 40 uh, bins, so about eight to f 15 cubic feet each bin. And so who are your customers? Right now we're in about 20 different garden centers across uh, Florida from Daytona down to Miami, east to west coast. And then uh, we also have gas stations that we provide our bait for because I'm still in the love of fishing. And we got 20 different gas stations, and these are our bait containers that you'll see around in our gas stations oh, here. Oh, nice. Eating worms. Yeah. <laughs> European night crawlers. Yep. Fish love them. So do largemouth bass eat these things? Yes, up? sir. We evolved as a business, and the soil is where it took us. There's more need for worms to regenerate this earth and bring the... For years, 50-plus years, we've been pumping our earth with synthetics, and, and that's just depreciating all the living organisms in our soils. So now people are understanding that and they're coming back and they're reviving their soils again with our fresh castings that has all the bacteria and enzymes that you need to replenish your soils. So you're saving the world with worms. Yes, one wheelbarrow of food at a time. There, there you go, I love and it. And we're keeping all that food that we get donated from grocery stores, produce stores that are gonna go set for landfill, they're donating it to us to feed our worms. So we're keeping landfill out, we're producing soil and the healthiest soils that are the highest NPK levels on the market. And you've even got a federal judge. Uh, I even got, uh, hey, she keeps yeah. this in line. <laughs> she, we are I a bet. straight business. I would think so. And no yeah. shortcuts with Franny involved here. Well, She's by the book, everything Franny, is by the Franny book. Franny, the federal judge, love <laughs> yeah. it. So, so where can people um, find you online? We go to eatingworms.com. We, uh, we own Eatin' Worms all platforms. Eatingworms.com is our website. Uh -huh. And then we got Eatin' Worms Facebook page, Eatin' Worms Instagram, Eatin' Worms YouTube. So, Franny, what do you like about eating worms? Why is this your side hustle? Well, and what do you do here? One is because I get to work with Rodney every day. Ah. Um, I have to give him a lot of credit. But the main thing for me is, and I think Rodney's touched on this, 
We're taking what is a product that's a natural product to the earth. It's the hardest worker on the earth, the worm, and we are using every product and then putting that product back into the environment. It's all natural. It contains its own natural pesticides, so we're not having to add pesticides to our product. So the products are growing better. We're having better growth. We're helping people create better home gardens and vegetables. And then once those scraps, as Rodney said, come back to us, we're regenerating and using that. What we would recommend is we would recommend if you had soil, we would recommend you would take some of our natural fertilizer, which are the worm castings, and add it to that soil to create the healthiest soil. If you, uh, depending again on the size of the bed, you also could use two types of worms, the night crawlers and the compost worms, and put that in the bed. Now, if you're getting foliage and things, those compost worms are gonna eat at that foliage on the top two layers, like Rodney said. And then those night crawlers are gonna go in six to eight inches. They're gonna work around your root systems, eat any bacteria, make sure you don't get any root rot. So it's really, once they're in there and they're happy, they're easy to maintain. As long as you're regularly watering and doing the things you need to do, that soil is gonna to continue to stay a really nice, healthy soil so that you can grow the best plants and vegetables, herbs, whatever you may be growing. And then what you would Take is just the castings every couple of months and sprinkle it along the top. What are castings? Worm castings are worm poop. It is, the, it is the byproduct of the worms. So what we say is what we're putting in, which are these fresh fruits and vegetables, that's what they're ingesting. And what's coming out are our high NPK level uh, castings. That's why we have the highest rated NPKs because we're not just feeding cardboard, which has no nutritional value. So when you take our castings and put that onto your product, all those nu nutrients are going into the plant. Um, I mentioned the thing about the repellent. It, it also creates an enzyme called chintase, which once those plants absorb that, they have a natural repellent then against anything that has chitin in it or chitin. Um, that is the exoskeleton of a lot of um, bugs that naturally, excuse me, go after uh, your plants. So aphids, uh, white flies, cockroaches, things like that that have that exoskeleton, they're going to now have that natural repellent and you're not going to have any bug issues. So you're not having to put pesticides on your plants. We all know pesticides, you're rinsing your fruits and vegetables constantly. You don't want that on your food. You don't have to do that with our product. Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on the landscape guide and sharing your story. We are here with Mike Lord from Artificial Grass Warehouse and uh, I was walking by and your team volunteered you to be on the podcast awesome, with awesome. a sales and marketing tip and you were about to tell me. Oh yes, yes. Uh, so you know I handle a lot of the, the sales and uh, training in the company. So one of the things that we stress to our salespeople is building rapport with our guys. So building rapport with our customers, following up with them comes next. So building the rapport, you know, outside of the job, finding out how their family is, what they, you know, what they do outside of work, building a nice friendship with them, or, or like I said, the rapport. And then once you have it, then following up, I think, is the most important thing after that. So we always preach follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. It doesn't do us any good to do a whole bunch of work up until the point to build the relationship, and then we never talk to them again. So I think it's really important, especially in our industry, to have that rapport, consistently following up with other companies, letting them know about the new trends that are happening in the industry, also letting them know about new products that we have coming out, um, you know, things of that nature. I, I agree, building rapport and following up with people are, are really important. What are, what are some of the ways, once you've established that relationship, that you mm. found that are effective for following up without being annoying? Oh. Right? There's, because there's the balance, right, right of like right, following right. up and being persistent and being helpful. Right, right. 
right? So what are some of the ways that you do it personally, maybe? So personally, the way we do things is, you know, we'll follow up with them every week or two. We'll let them know about new sales and things we have going on. Not only that, but when we have other projects that come up, if we know, let's say they also do paver, let's say they also uh, dabble a little bit in landscape, you know, we'll refer to them. Hey, we have jobs coming in over here. Is this something you want to take a look at? So we'll refer to them to get their expertise when it comes to landscaping. Um, then also we follow up, you know, via text messages, via emails, just following up to see how things are going with them, dropping by their job sites, dropping by their actual locations, bringing them turf samples, just doing anything we can to kind of make the process easy for them. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't have any projects going up, we give them a call, we let them know, hey, listen, if you have anything coming up, we're here to help out. You have any big jobs we need to get skinny on to help you out, that's something we can do too. The design aspect of things as well, um, the CAD process as well, there's extra, extra steps, we go extra beyond for them to try to give them extra perks as well, to let them know that we care about their business because the more that they sell, the more that their customers are going to be happy, they'll they can get new customers, then come back to us and we're consistently moving forward, putting out a good product um, with quality installations and quality customer service as well. All right, here we are, I'm with Mario Cambardella, Cambardella. from Scapify, who yeah. I, you actually, we talked about a year ago and you were doing a different project. You heard me on a podcast, I shipped you a book and then we met here and you're doing something really cool that I think people should know about if they have a garden center or a nursery. So uh, good to reconnect with you. Tell us a little yeah. bit, what is Scapify? Well, the story of Scapify starts with ServeScape. That was our proof of concept. It was an online only, inventoryless e-commerce garden center. And so once we realized that it worked, this methodology worked, we really wanted to take it to the masses. We really wanted to take it to every grower and garden center across the country. And we say that we can take you from the ground to the cloud and really digitize the whole experience of plant buying and having uh, uh, tons of other technology to enable the customer to really know what they want and discover new things and have a more efficient way to do business for growers and garden centers. I like it. So, so for the people who have a garden center or a nursery and they want to sell plants, like what does it do? So it puts a lot of those products online and it creates the most sensorial process that you can for plant buying online. So you see the picture, you see a video, you see the description. We now have AI chatbots, so you can ask it questions about that plant. And the chat GPT is uh, married with University of Georgia and other university agriculture extension research. So you're getting the combination of those two powerful uh, research and language model to get a conversation finding out everything you want about the plant or care or blogs or press yeah, releases. So, so if a customer is on the website and I, you showed me this AI too, it was pretty cool. I said, yeah, well, yeah. What, what are the best tomatoes to grow in Estes Park, Colorado? Right. Which is kind of a specific question. It's at an elevation, there are challenges in it, and it gave me a pretty thorough response. So it's pulling this data from these universities, other things, so that way you can, if you have a nursery, put this on your website and your customers when they're asking horticultural questions are getting a pretty detailed automated response. Yeah, it's semi-customized to your plant and your customer needs. Uh, the, we call it Master Gardener AI and it can be white labeled for your customer or for your website as a chat bot or a separate page and we go through your persona, your, you know, you want to name it something specific. Servscape names theirs Plant Nerd and it's using UGA extension data, so you can pull in the right information that you want it to provide uh, your customers. I love it, cool. Well, so where can people learn about it? 
well, Escapify.com. That's everything's there, really transparent with pricing. We really want to engage with those customers of our garden centers and growers so that we can bring them from the ground to the cloud. Here we are at Walter Gardens booth with Kata Wallace. Yeah. Not Wallace. They misspelled your name on your name badge. But anyways, tell us a little bit. We, we talked last night. Where are you from originally? So I'm from Austria. Um, I grew up there. I moved to the States like seven years ago. But my parents have a grower retail garden center um, with very rare and unique plants. So I've always done perennials. That's all I've known in my life. And at one point, I just moved here. And now I'm here. So your parents have that business in Austria? Yeah, yeah. So you grew up around this? Yeah. And so, did you study horticulture? No, I did you just, not. But you studied it just by growing up around it? I guess so, yeah. I actually always thought it was really boring and was always embarrassed of my parents having a garden center because <laughs> it was not a cool job like my friends had. But uh -huh. yeah, I came around to this industry being really cool, so. When, yeah. when did you realize that it was cool? Um, probably at 23 or so when uh -huh. I was studying in Vienna and I needed money and my dad offered me to go to trade shows and get some pocket money and then yeah it was just kind of fun. So then that led you what was the first job you did here in the States? Uh, in the States I actually my dad suggested that I would do an internship here because my I finished my studies in January and I couldn't get a job until September. So he was like, why don't you go to the States and like hang out here? So I was an intern at Plant the Lights Nursery and Juniper Level Botanic Garden in North Carolina. Awesome. And so then you ended up staying and starting a career in, in the industry. So what do you do now? So now I'm the product manager for Walters Gardens. We are the home of Proven Winner Perennials. Um, we do Linus and Beirut plants, but we also have a very big breeding program there. So I kind of promote those plants anywhere between Virginia and Louisiana. And last night we were talking about how you feel like sometimes landscapers that have been in business for a while have been offering plants, like a, a certain little book of plants that they feel are safe, but there's new plant varieties what's what's in it for them in learning about them so some of my clients are more interested in plants than others and they're already seeking this out yeah and then some of them are more construction focused and maybe maybe, maybe they're not somebody just yelled here at the trade show but uh, uh so so talk to me about that what yeah. how does it help them to to learn about these new plants and how are you reaching them so I really feel like it's a twofold. It's, it's really there is a lack in communication between landscape designers and architects and then breeding companies such as ours. Um, I think for one, landscapers really need a reliable su supply chain. And when they can't truly trust that it will happen, I think they default to the plants that they know. But then also, as you mentioned, there's just people who are more interested in plants than others. But so I'm really trying to do like lunch and learns or like really actively seeking out landscapers to talk to them about some of the new varieties and then connect them with wholesalers who then buy the plants from me basically. So yeah, it, it takes a lot of effort to kind of bridge that gap between landscapers, wholesalers and companies like ours. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. What are, what are some of the new plants that you're seeing that are thriving and becoming popular? Like what's up and coming? Um, 
I think it's a lot of times not even new plants. It is plants that have existed. So like Nepeta, everybody has done Walker Slow for the last 20 years or so. But there is other ones like Persian Blue or Cat's Pajamas that essentially look very similar, but they have a much tighter habit. They bloom longer. You don't have to cut them back as much. So really those are benefits to landscapers that they should really appreciate. But I think sometimes they don't either know about those new plants or they are scared to try them. Yeah, um, we do see a trend, of course, in, in the native kind of section. So we're trying to really focus on also introducing cultivars that are um, having like native fruits in America, make sure that they bloom longer, that they are more disease resistant, so you wouldn't have to spray them as much. So it's nowadays I really feel like the breeding effort is not as much anymore getting the newest and coolest colors, but also making sure that the plants that we bring to the market are really high in quality. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks for coming on the yeah, show. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. All right, everyone. I'm here with Tati. Togafau or Tongafau is the proper way. Okay. Togafau is as close as you're going to get. That's totally that's, fine with that's, me. That's close. And you're a greenhouse assistant. Yes, sir. At Valencia, Valencia College. College in Central Florida. Yes, sir. And so you were telling me you went from being a student to an intern. And what are you doing now? Um, so I went from student to intern. I interned so much that they're like, oh, you'd be a really good worker. So a facility opened up in Winter Garden. They asked if I wanted to be one of the people that worked there. And so I've been working there for the past six years. Um, and you started like picking tomatoes and... I got and asked to come out to intern and, you know, see what the hands-on was about. And I was pulling tomatoes and potatoes out of the field in the Edgewood uh, Children's Ranch that Valencia was partnering with for the entire summer. And then we moved on to another facility and they're like, hey, do you want a job here? And I said, absolutely, because it seems to be the thing that I'm good at. Cool, So, and so what are you doing now? Um, so right now I work for Valencia College still, love it. Um, I am the greenhouse assistant. Uh, I help facilitate the greenhouse uh, for the students. We help set up the lab so they can get the on, on hands learning. Um, and we also, we're, revamping our area to be more permaculture so we're doing a lot of like innovative stuff with our students trying to get them hands-on and also trying to expand out to the community but um we have aquaponics hydroponics uh, aeroponics literally anything we're trying to get our students out into the field in any way shape or form that they can go because it's a changing industry and not enough people know about the options that are available to them i agree so i think it's really cool that you found this and the reason I wanted to interview, we were at the happy hour uh, at the at the landscape show, and, and you were telling me that you connect people with landscape companies, too. So tell us about that. So for many of the people listening are landscape companies. How do they work with people like you? So the whole point of us being here at the landscape show is so that we can reach out, partner with our local community, and then get our students available internships so that they can go out into the community and start already with before graduating the program. A lot of times our students come on tours with us to different facilities around the area. They bring their resumes and they end up getting hired on the spot because Valencia is known for having a good program and our students usually come out on top. So they get hired as growers. Um, they always, majority of the time, end up in a higher position by coming through us than by going by themselves. Um, so we try to do a lot of connecting our students to the people that are in the community so that it basically comes back to us tenfold. Cool. So, so for people in Florida that are listening, do you have like an event or something other than like coming to the landscape show, which people should, are there like, how do you network with your state 
association with the colleges because I, I just see other opportunities like one of my clients has a they actually started a high school apprenticeship yes. you know and they're, they're now recruiting people who many of them stay on and work for them so how can people like maybe they're not in Florida maybe they are how do they how do they connect with like colleges to find employees um, honestly I would I would go to the college and ask for the chair of whatever program that you're trying to like branch into. So for instance, you would come to Valencia College and say, hey, I'm interested in the plant program. Is there anybody you can connect me to? You'd probably get connected to either my boss, myself, or their boss. And then we would help you basically figure out what kind of avenue do you want to go to? What type of landscaping do you want to, want to go to? Do you want to actually work for the growers that do the landscaping? Do you want to be out there on the field? Um, pruning, collecting, doing doing the landscape job, or do you want to be on the business side of it? Because we offer all those avenues. Our job is to figure out exactly where you fit and then to fit you into those positions with what we have. And the more people that come in, the more resources that we have to branch out to as well, because they have information that we might not have. So they might know a family that's been doing this for 20 years that we had no idea about. And then we get to connect to them and then other students get to connect to them as well. So it's this beautiful little cyclical mm -hmm. circle that we have going on. Um, I would honestly just say reach out to the college itself. Um, these are really our outreach programs to the state when we do these events uh, or come to the you know meet and greets at the college. <laughs> <laughs> cool, Tati. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for checking out today's episode. Thank you to the FNGLA for having me speak. It was such a pleasure. This is a great show, The Landscape Show. And I'm excited to be down in Dallas, Texas in September for NALP's Elevate. If you're going to that show, reach out to me. I'm having some people get together for dinner and we're gonna have a booth number 1110. So be sure to stop by. And if you haven't already claimed your landscapers marketing toolbox, I'd love to send you one with a free bag of beef jerky, some helpful podcasts, and a field guide that'll help you figure out which marketing to focus on first. So claim yours at landscapersguide.com toolbox. See our show notes for a quick link to that. My name is Jack Jostis, and I look forward to talking with you next week on the Landscapers Guide. Being, we've got people photobombing us or video bombing us, I guess. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's a great show. <laughs>